Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. San Francisco, are you ready? Boom! Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solisa First, baby. And our esteemed co-host, Old Man Davis. Boom! Here we go, guys. Week two is in the books and a crushing loss for the 49ers. We had several opportunities. We were in the lead. We had an opportunity to come back. But ultimately, it was squandered by two major dagger interceptions from Blaine Gabbert. Here we go, week two. So let's get into it. Uh, so I'm going to start. I was a little surprised. Me and Raymond, you and I were just talking a little bit off air, and I'm going to bring that conversation on air. I initially, I actually was, wasn't was as upset. I thought that the 49ers had a strong showing. I thought there was really an opportunity for them to get kind of destroyed. And, uh, you know, outside of those two interceptions, I thought we really had an opportunity to make something happen here. But you were less enthusiastic after the game. And so let's start with you. And I want to hear your thoughts on uh, Blaine Gabbard and the offense. Well, I thought Blaine Gabbard, the offense really kind of, I mean, the the team across the board kind of shot themselves in the foot numerous times and it was kind of frustrating to watch. But I mean, albeit expected from a team that has a new coach, has a new scheme, has a new defensive scheme, new offensive scheme. So I, I expect these growing pains, but it's like it's frustrating when you see a game like last week, which, by the way, you can never judge a season off of week one. But at the nope. same time, you can also look to this game and say, hey, the Niners were in this one, um, even leading up to the halftime. But it was kind of some – it's okay to, to blow plays here and there. But the ones that will end up deciding who wins and loses are the plays that we saw blown uh, this game. And the big one for me that I felt like was kind of the turning point where it was the beginning of the end – Although the Niners showed signs of life in the fourth quarter, what's the big play blown by Antoine Bethea, where it was just blown coverage, and Greg Olson was just able to take take the ball 75 yards for a touchdown. I felt like, I was like, wow, what a blatantly huge mistake from a veteran safety who maybe thought he was supposed to get different help, or maybe the linebacker was supposed to come out with him. I don't know what was supposed to happen on that play, but for whatever reason, I feel like the Niners, there was a, there was a, part of the Niners that never recovered but then they showed signs of life and they were within one score and I was like hey wait a minute normally the team would have forfeited by now you know or at least would have sort of forfeited with with within their body language but that wasn't the case I was like all right so they got signs of life you know the defense is is trying to make up for their mistakes which just kept happening they couldn't stop the running game they they did manage to get a turnover an interception in the first passing play of the game from Cam Newton who recovered after that Cam Newton wasn't all that efficient either he was 60 percent Blaine Gabbert had a better completion percentage than Cam Newton last game against the Rams and he did than Cam Newton had this game and then on the flip side Gabbert who I thought was just highly inefficient I mean he had decent protection um, the running game was completely soft. So the, I expected Carolina to do exactly what we did to L.A. because they figured, let's do the same thing. Let's take 
take out Carlos Hyde because he's the most dynamic player on that offense and force Blaine Gabbert to beat us with his arm, which he made a valiant effort. But, I mean, when you have a 47% completion percentage, you're 17 for 36, that's not going to get you very far in the NFL. In fact, Tim Tebow was regarded as one of the worst passers that we've ever seen, and he's, no one will give him a shot, and that's because he averaged 50% pass, passing completion percentage. And now you have Blaine Gabbert going from 62% to 47%. So is that is that a combination of pass rush or the Carolina secondary, or is that just Blaine Gabbert? You know, I, I would argue it's a mixture of the two. So that was kind of, you know, it, it's tough because, like I said before, like, they showed signs of life and fight that I we haven't we didn't see from them at all last year. So that was the good parts, and they had good plays. Like the Vance McDonald touchdown was terrific. The touchdown pass to Torrey Smith was terrific, even though he had to slow down a little bit just to catch the ball because it was slightly underthrown. Um, it was all great, but uh, offensive line needs to needs to run block better. The defense secondary got completely exposed by somebody who I don't even think is all that great of a passer to be perfectly honest with you you got to remember last year was his first breakout year since he's been in the NFL he's played well at times but last year was his most efficient passing season that he's ever had and people you know like to compare him to Steve Young yes on the running side he's great he's just like Steve likes to take hits he's reckless like Steve he just passed Steve Young in rushing touchdowns this year but as far as passing goes, he still has a lot to learn, um, and so I'm never truly impressed with him. So this was a and this was a game where I really thought the secondary should have taken advantage uh, of of Cam Newton's, you know, still maturing passing passing game, and at the same time, we should have offensively taken advantage of the Carolina's young cornerbacks, which I didn't see didn't see that happening. Now, did that not happen because it wasn't part of the game plan, or did it not happen because our receivers just aren't good enough? I just don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think Chip Kelly's still holding a lot of the, the pieces. I, I feel like he's not opening up the way he has before. And we've granted, we've only seen two weeks. There's a lot of room to grow here. But I think part of it is because this is kind of Blaine Gabbert's cap, you know what I mean, so to speak. And I just don't know if we're going to get – if he's going to get any better than this. I know if it was Alex Smith, it would have been a little bit better. You know, he wouldn't have given up the ball so much. But we were in this game by one score in the fourth quarter, and then two picks kind of sealed the deal for us. So it was it was disappointing to see it end at the end, but there's still some, some positives that the team can grow up, grow up for. So anyways, I'm ranting, but yeah. <laughs> I thought the def- I definitely thought the secondary was exposed, no question. I actually thought the offensive line played pretty good. They've only allowed two two sacks in two, in two games, and this is uh, this is an offensive line that averaged, you know, over a hundred in two years. So to only allow two sacks in the last eight quarters has been pretty impressive. Um, old man Davis, I want to hear some of your thoughts. What, what, how did you feel after, after week two? And how do you feel about Blaine Gabbert as a quarterback? I, uh, the dab is dead, but a win is a win, uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Cam Newton still delivering a win. Um, he's a multi-dimensional quarterback, that doesn't always need to pass. He can run, and even the passes he dumps to are to great receivers in this game, big physical players. Uh, Calvin Benjamin, Benjamin is dynamic when he's healthy. Greg Olson, even even the special teams uh, with uh, Ted Ginn Jr. running the ball uh, showed flashes of, of, of changing the momentum of the game uh, in – in the Panthers' favor, uh, Ron Rivera 
uh, wasn't asleep on this game like he was uh, during the Rams 49ers game. Uh, he, he really stuck it uh, to the 49ers, and they played um, maybe not a solid game, but they just they completed enough plays to outtake the 49ers at home. I liked uh, what they did, even though they made a lot of uh, mistakes that could have allowed the 49ers to win. I'd agree with Ray uh, to some respect that this wasn't a game that showed much of the 49ers being the better team that could have won the game. I think uh, going back to your second or going to your second question about Blaine Gabbard, my predictions still hold true. The man, number two, is still number one. He started the season at number one, and he will continue being number one until following games where the Niners are more in the loss column than they are in the W column. And only then will Blaine Gabbert surely wear his jersey in the placement of quarterbacks just only, like that penny. Yeah, only then will his number really be appropriate. Reflection <laughs> of, of his uh, status. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing, too. I feel like the NFL, this, uh, this is another thought I had. I read an article um, earlier today, and it was talking about as seen whether the 49ers were set up to fail, meaning, meaning what is this – like did the scheduling within the NFL did was it does it does it need tweaking because because Carolina had 11 days to plan for a team they had never played before 49ers had 5 days to plan for the reigning NFC champions and had to travel to the east coast to play a morning game i mean how how fair is that advantage already and we 100 even, degree weather. Yes, and, and also an unknown weather territory too that you cannot duplicate in training camp. Now, granted, weather weather is completely you cannot control the weather. You can't you can't get mad at Green Bay because it's always cold over there. That's just the way it is. That's just the time of the year that we play. But at the same time, it's like, hey NFL, is it really fair that Carolina had 11 had more than double the amount of time to plan for this game than the 49ers did, and the 49ers are the one that had to travel? I mean that that's already a tall task. This is the NFL we're talking about. So I think there was some validity to what he was talking about, whether I don't think there was any intentional effort on the NFL's part. They're just trying to make a buck. But I mean, at the same time, I think something's got to be done with the scheduling because that's clearly a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely. Well, what do we talk about the, in, during the preseason? That this is this is the six weeks of six weeks of hell, six weeks of death that we're going through right now. Now, luckily, with Romo down, that makes week four. That puts us in a position where we could end up going into week five at two and two, which is where I'm where I'm still holding on to. Um, but you know, it doesn't get any easier because next week we have to go into Seattle. But sticking back to the game, so Raymond, the secondary. What happened to that secondary? Like, you know that that was. That's Jim O'Neill's. That's his specialty. That's the area that we had we had praised that we thought looked pretty good. But this week we're just completely exposed by by a wide receiving a wide receiver unit that I mean in general has never been all that great. You know, I think I think part of it just came down to maybe Jim O'Neill underestimating 
uh, Cam Newton's throwing ability. And perhaps there was some maybe missed calls on, so if you make a call, the defense is lined up to do a very particular thing. I mean, in the case of Greg Olson's touchdown, that's blown coverage, clearly. But there was a lot of other times where I felt like people, guys just seemed like they were, they were focused on a task that they were asked to do because of the call, not because they were out of position. Now, whether how accurate I am on that assessment, I don't know. I'm not an NFL coach. I don't understand defenses to that level, so I can't tell whether that's the case or not. I still want to go back and listen to Jim O'Neill's press conference to see what kind of light he can shut on it. At the same time, we know he's going to be tight-lipped because he doesn't give away any chips. I mean, he might talk about stuff, but it's all going to be in this, you know, this general vague manner that all NFL coaches seem to talk uh, talk in, so it, I'm probably not going to get what I'd like out of it, but I can still give it a listen to see if there's any, if there's anything to take away from that. Maybe this game, this past Sunday, had just as much to do with uh, the secondary not being where it should have been as much as the Panthers taking opportunities to make plays when it counted. 49ers gain the lead. It's 10-7. to 7. Carolina immediately responds with a huge touchdown. They shut down the 49 uh, the 49er offense for the rest of the half and then add another 3 points making the total at that point 17 to 10. That was the worst and, part about it is it was the first play after we just took the lead and I was feeling just, pretty good about it. Yep, me too. And I remember going into the half, I was talking to, you know, our father, the the fourth member of the Goldcast, Reese Jr. and he said, you know, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. We had the lead there. You know, it's, it's a two-position game or one-position game. And I said, I didn't feel good about that at all. I said, are you kidding me? They played like NFC champs. The second we took the lead, they got the lead back, shut us down, and added another three points. I go, if that's going to – look at the second half of that of the game, the, the, third, the, the rest of the second quarter, and we were just stuck. That was it. And they threw up 10 points really fast. And that, I mean, kind of going back to you, old man Davis, that's speaking to the efficiency of Carolina at this point in there as a team. Yeah. And then it was just, oh. then it was just kind of a, a trickle effect. I felt, I, I felt like it was like, oh God, this is week two of last year because now it's 31 to 10. But then all of a sudden we came roaring back within one possession. And then they just kept. Uh, we just kept giving up the ball and just kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. There was penalties, there was five drop passes, there was blown coverages. So to me, that's you have a a multitude of breakdowns that just just need to obviously get kinked out. And and I believe will. I believe they will. So we're not going to see this meltdown week in and week out. People are going to figure it out. They're gonna they're gonna get rolling. It, it certainly doesn't feel good, but there's there's good things that happened that. The defense couldn't help out the offense, and the offense didn't help the defense at times. It's a it's a synchronization, you know. Eleven guys on both sides got to do their job. The defense gets left out there too long; they're obviously going to get tired too, and, and that's it's not a, not only going to get blown coverage, but they're just going to be too t- tired to keep up with a rested offense and vice versa. So you got to pound the football. You got to f- and and that starts with the offensive line. And uh, I just uh, lastly add that let's just try to uh, tip, put things in perspective this was last year the national conference championship team carolina exactly. panthers totally and yeah. yeah not much has changed since then other than losing again to the denver broncos in week one <laughs> so uh all in all 
great effort uh, by the Panthers, and uh, they deserve that win. They did. They won I, fair and square. I, I don't think it was particularly fair to give one team twice the amount of time to game plan and to kind of just sit back and, uh, and force the other team to have less than half the amount of time to game plan and then also to travel eastbound. To me, something needs to be – something within that – Within the scheduling needs to change because that that's our that's a disadvantage on a on a sport that's already incredibly physically demanding. Oh, I can't wait till the uh, the Rams and the Giants play in London, where uh, the Rams will have to cross not only the Atlantic Ocean but the United States, while the Giants just have to cross the ocean. Yeah, but I'm okay with that one. That one feels yeah. fair. Who cares about the Rams? Yeah, who's going? <laughs> um, going back to that, you know what drives me nuts too? What drives me nuts is that Cam has like forty-five dances for every every time he does something well. You know, but the second that guy loses, he's like the biggest baby you've ever seen in the world. Oh like, my god, super pouty, he's, he's super, night and day about it. Night and day, he's such a fucking baby, and then. But then, uh, you know, but then when he when he when he wins, he's got eight stupid dances in a row that like yeah, he's been working on all all, all summer. Drives me he, nuts. He's been working on his Cam Newton. Yeah. He's like he's like little hand dance. Oh, gotcha. When he, he was the one that got the unsportsmanlike conduct call, right? That was that was Cam, wasn't it? For the dances for the excessive dancing. Uh, it was also uh, Kelvin Benjamin. OK. Oh man, it drives me nuts. Mainly because if he took his losses with some humility, if he if he took his losses the same way he takes his wins, then I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be so hard on him. But the fact that he's such a jerk when he loses, and he's such a baby, like literally like a child, and and then when he's winning, he's like ah, oh, this stupid smile and all stupid dances. It drives me crazy. Like every time he dances, I just drives me nuts. Well, if. Uh... Cam Newton danced like Joe Staley and Greg Olson, then I guess we wouldn't uh, be selling uh, Panther jerseys in Carolina, then would we? The thing, about, the last thing I want to say about Carolina, I believed, regardless, I believed that that was a good game. I still think there was a lot of positive takeaway. I do believe that I thought the offensive line played pretty well. There were a couple huge blitzes that they blocked in the third quarter that I was really impressed with. We again. We only allowed two sacks against a team that had a really, really strong defense last year, and I think that in order for the 49ers to get to the next level, in order for them to really kind of branch out and become the team we know they can, they're gonna have to go through get kicked in the teeth. They're gonna have to go through some losses like this. This is just part of the deal. You know what I mean? Like this is just. These are the growing pains, man. This is part of the deal. And so I think that while it was a tough loss, these are the kinds of losses that, that build your team. And this is a young team, and this is a team that, that I believe has a lot of potential. And we sometimes you got to get kicked in the teeth, man. Like You just have to. And, and this was a hard loss, and it, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll become better for it. I don't see a, Tim, a, Jim, a Jim Tom Sula situation where this team uh, – <laughs> Collapses. Oh, don't. What was that for? What's that for, old man Davis? What are you thinking? I'm just uh, watching my TiVo. Anyways, I thought I, I I think it was a it was a, it was a good it was a it was a good hard fought game, and I think that the 49ers will be better for it. They fought hard, 
they definitely fart hard. So I and I mentioned that via the the Forty Nineers Goldcast Twitter account that they showed more fight in this game than they did all of last year. So that was it. Wasn't the Pittsburgh Steelers blowout? You know, followed by the Cardinals blowout. We'll we'll find out what's going to happen in Seattle. I I'm kind of concerned with Seattle only because they just got smoked by the L.A. Rams, who by the way got Again. smoked by us the week before. So I feel like Seattle is going to be at home. We have to travel yet again. And not that not I mean I shouldn't I shouldn't have any negative inflection towards that because traveling is just a part of the game. But I just think that the there needs to be some tweaks to allow a little bit more even playing ground in terms of preparation because that's that that can have a problem. You know, in the playoffs, you know, each it's it's a lot more even. But but anyways, I think Seattle's going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. They just got embarrassed on the road in Los Angeles, and this is a team that tends to respond very well when they drop a game like this. And I don't think that they're going to allow us to come in and treat them the way that L.A. did or the way that we treated L.A. in Week 1. I just don't see that happening. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be a blowout per se, but I think it'll be very similar to this game where we're kind of in it for the first half, but then because Seattle clamps down on our one-dimensional offense, we're not able to keep drives going long enough and the, the defense is going to get exposed due to exhaustion and that, similar to what happened to Los Angeles. So I think that's kind of what's going to happen. It's going to be close in the first half. It's going to fall apart in the second half. But uh, much like the Carolina game, we're going to show some some surprising moments of uh, resilience, but it just won't be enough to pull out a win. And I had them losing this game anyways. I Yeah, I, I believe we're going to lose this game too. Old Man Davis, how do you feel about San Francisco going into Seattle? Uh, definitely a, a far better and tougher defense uh, than the P- Carolina Panthers. I don't see this being a high-scoring game on either side of the ball for well, both they're, teams. Well, they're a proven defense. I don't know if they're better at this point, but they're definitely up there. Yeah, at least on paper. Yeah, I think statistically they are. Uh, and points allowed in particular that particular stat they're really good so i guess, and i guess that's the most important stat because this, this uh, and... aside from the 49ers really needing to um clean up on the uh on the offensive side of the ball this may uh this game i i have in the favor of the Seahawks uh, not only because it's in Seattle um but just because maybe they have a little bit more advantage to making plays uh where they need to be counted and uh the 49ers still you know uh finding a way to uh have some consistency on the offense and similar to similar to how i feel the rams have seattle's uh, number the rams have you know the seahawks number i feel like the seahawks have the 49ers number they're they're they definitely have like the psychological edge over us and haven't really had much of a problem defeating us in the last couple of years. I I really just want to exhaust. I really want to see and exhaust Blaine Gabbert's ability, not only to lead the team, but just make the throws land where they need to land. And, and the decision-making, uh, just have it up to where Chip Kelly wants it to be. And if he can do that, then 
Uh, he certainly has uh, my vote uh, for the rest of the season. I mean, not only uh, against a tough team like Seattle, uh, so far Seattle, but uh, the week after uh, playing Dallas and I forgot what other team is after them, but oh, Arizona. So this uh, this will be a challenge, I think, for number two to uh, to really step up because if it's not going to be him, it's certainly going to be somebody else that uh, I, I'd put a bending knee on not talking about. I think if he gives up the game in the fourth quarter like he did this past week, then obviously his time is is limited. I, I think it's limited in general, but it'll be shortened even. It'll be expedited, you know, if he keeps giving up games like that because Chip Kelly's not going to have much tolerance for that. Let me ask you a question, Raymond. I'm trying to refresh my memory from a, a couple weeks ago uh, on the Goldcast. Did did you believe that at some point we would see Cap in the starting position, or did you think Gabbert was going to finish the whole season? I think Cap will come in at some point. Oh, man, Davis, how do you, what do you think? He's just more dynamic. If they continue playing like they just did on Sunday... Number seven, one of you step, one of you put that helmet over that afro and come in and play some ball. <laughs> Get off a knee and start playing some ball. So right now, let's look at looking at the NFC West. At the NFC West picture, all of us are one and one. Uh, everybody has won one and lost one. It's still, uh, you know, obviously. Arizona and Seattle are still the pick of the litter. I don't see us. Uh, I believe we're going to go eight and eight. Raymond, you said what's yours? Ten and six. Nine and seven. Nine and seven. Old man Davis, if you had to put a number on where you believe the 49ers are going to end the season, where would you put that number? Five eleven, like my height. Five and eleven. Wow, the same record as last year. Five and eleven. You son of a bitch. Five and eleven, man. God, that's what every. No hope, no hope. By the way, how did your Raiders do this weekend? Exceptionally well on offense. Uh, you got you got a playoff caliber offense and a number one draft pick type defense. <laughs> it's uh, unacceptable what happened on Sunday, and uh, we're gonna get things fixed. Yeah, you need we'll to have see, a long I... talk with your son. I think Ken Norton Jr. gets fired at the end of this year. And that might be. They, they, he had to take uh, – Del Rio took over in the fourth quarter uh, for def- defensive play calling. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. I've been meaning to talk about the silver cast. And, uh, <laughs> silver cast. Yeah, how, how, Is that where you've been? On the Is that where you've been? <laughs> Expanding. Uh, I have a, a, a playmaker, a voice in the making, and with him and I uh, – being on the Silvercast, this this very well could be the second coming. <laughs> the Silvercast. All right, so gentlemen, we're about wrapped forward. Let's look. We're gonna look a little bit ahead. I want to talk about the Vegas odds. Uh, you know, we're bringing back our famous Vegas odds. So the Vegas odds this week have Seattle. The line has moved in the last couple of days, maybe because of Rawls is. Uh, foot being injured but the the movement right now it was we've gone from 11 and a half point favorites 
to nine nine and a half favorites as of today, Monday, September nineteenth. Now the question is, gentlemen, nine and a half point favorites in favor of Seattle. Do you take that bet, Old Man Davis? We start with you. I say the bet is on with Old Man Davis. Seattle two and one. Raymond. Seattle, nine-and-a-half-point favorites as of right now in the Vegas lines. Do you take that bet? I think you take it, and you definitely go for the over. Oh, you go for the over. Old Man Davis, yeah, wait, do you take take over or under on nine-and-a-half? I take it over. I say 13. You say Seattle's going to win by 13 points on Sunday? It's either 13 or 10. That's what I think. Oh, now, well over seven. I mean, well their 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 uh, their offense is a little banged up right now. They lost that. They lost their pick over earlier in the training camp just before. I think it was around preseason. I can't remember. Uh, Thomas Rawls is not 100. Uh, percent Doug Baldwin, I think, was getting checked out. Lockett, uh, I think, had to check out briefly. I'd have to double check all of this. Uh, we don't uh, we don't sports check here. This could live uh, very well be a, <laughs> on the, uh, very well be a game of uh, field goals. It could very well. I mean, they could come out and be just as sluggish as they were against the Rams. You never know. I mean, the, the, Seattle has a tendency to start slow anyway. So that that and it, this the fact that they're a little banged up that's the Niners' kind of only advantage that they might be able to have in Seattle. But I but I'm just not sure. I think that teams they're, they're just. They play so well together that whenever they have some kind of embarrassing loss like they did against the Rams for for whatever reason, just own them psychologically uh, and schematically, I guess, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they're capable of bouncing back off that, you know, and I just don't see... And a lot of good teams are. Yeah, you know, if this was was reverse, if this was us coming in I mean if we played Seattle this week and then went to Carolina next week uh, might be a slightly different story um, but them coming off of this embarrassing loss they're going to be playing with the chip on their shoulders and and that's obvi- I you know I'm not going to sit here and kind of quantify stats as to why it'll happen but that's kind of the the un the stats that you can't ever you can't ever analyze and, and throw it in there but that's just how I see it p- playing out yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I agree that I believe the Seattle Seahawks are definitely going to win, but I I, I take the under on nine and a half, and maybe I'm just being too optimistic. But I I, take I hope the under. I'm wrong, and I hope you're right. I hope so too. Uh, you know, the other thing is, again, I think this team has a lot of potential. Forty Nine er faithful, do not lose the faith. Goldcast Nation, believe. I really do believe this team has a lot of potential, and I think that these two tough games, as tough as they, they're these two weeks are going to be for us. I think it's good for that this team, and you know this is this is the the toughest is this first six weeks, and then things tend to they, they lighten up a little bit as we get into the second half of the season. You know, we just these six weeks of death, which are going to be tough, but I I believe it's good for the team, and I think that this is these are the growing pains that Chip Kelly, Jim O'Neill, and the 49ers offense and defense need to go through. So there's, yeah, there's it's going to kind of show that it's going to show the staff and the players kind of where they all are at. They're like, hey, which in this case, you know, it's, mm, you know, much to learn. They still have. All right. Raymond, where can they find us? 
You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 49ersgoldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at 49ersgoldcast. You can also subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher for all of the latest and greatest episodes of the 49ers Goldcast as they become live to the public. Follow, subscribe, share, show your support. Boom. Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. That is the best place to do so. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rudy Solis third, Rudy Solis three R D. Old Man Davis, where can they find you? Yeah, hey, Old Man Davis. Uh, speaking of Vegas odds, how's Vegas doing? Vegas is going great. Uh, certainly have a uh, stadium on PowerPoint. So you're excited <laughs> about the Vegas transition? I think Vegas uh, would be a great opportunity uh, because it would be a home and where the Vegasites would embrace a team like the Raiders. They would get the stadium that I want, that the Raiders deserve, that the fans of new Raiders and old Raiders can come to and watch the silver and black. I think it's a great opportunity for young players with a whole lot of money that have never experienced having a whole lot of money to be distracted and blow it all. I think you should keep your opinions <laughs> to yourself. you got to have curfews on these guys if they're going to be in a place like Vegas. That's what I think. Man, man, man. I think it's the, I think it's the perfect place for you guys. I really do. But I'm going to spend some time in Tennessee. And, Tennessee? Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. As uh, we look up. Uh, to uh, take win number two against the Tennessee Titans. So, Old Man Davis, where can they find you? In Tennessee. Tennessee. There you have it. All right. So concludes another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-host, Old Man Davis. Boom! Welcome back. Welcome back. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same Goldcast channel. Ba 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 ba.